Hello guys, welcome to another episode of the Depressed Reds. Today we are going to be talking about whatever, the shambles that went on on sun Sunday afternoon. Transfer news that, ha- that has come through the past few days and a look ahead at the match this this Saturday afternoon, I think. And today today's episode is a bit special because we have a few friends along from India. We have Delwyn, Arunya and Tanmay. Say hi, dudes. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Nice to be here. Hello. Hi, guys. Glad to be here. W's, W's. These guys are also United fans, so they have also made the wrong decision of supporting this team. So we're all on the same boat and yeah, from there we move on. So obviously this season did start start last Sunday and it was possibly the worst start we could have we could have anticipated, the worst start we could have had. Of course, we ended up losing 2-1, probably the perfect start for that Eric. Well, not perfect, but the most apt, apt presenting of the Premier League that Eric Ten Hag could have had. A rude awakening and a lot more can be said. So I'm going to hop it, over, hop it on over to Delwin for his thoughts. Uh, so yes, it couldn't have been a worse start for us fans, but somewhere or the other we had it coming. Uh, Eric Ten Hag, our manager, couldn't have had a much apt introduction to Premier League action. Uh, and credit where it's due, Brighton played amazingly well. Uh, they ran circle around circles around us, overran at every instance that they could. And uh, yeah, we played totally bad. Uh, all the hope, all the optimism... Uh, all the all the excitement of the new season just you know went into smoke, and uh, what came out of that was nothing short mm-hmm. of a disaster. Uh, we were absolutely pathetic in the first half. Uh, our manager rightly pointed it out in the post game as well that we lost belief after correct, the first correct. ten minutes. Uh, we lost confidence in ourselves. We let the opponents have a foothold in the game, and guys, you just cannot get bullied by Danny Welbeck in 2022. That man is a that man is a 32-year-old striker well past his prime. You just cannot get bullied by someone like that. Seriously, you know. We were marginally better in the second half, but then it was just a case of too little too late. Uh, not the ideal start for our new signings as well. Ericsson as a false nine looked lost. It was only when he was when he came deep that's where he started, you know, unleashing those yeah. trademark passes, the, the crosses, the balls that he's so known for. Martinez was shaky. He also then gave a good account of himself in the second half. But yes, overall, it was not a performance that we fans could be proud of. And uh, it could not be worse. But then the upside to it is that there's always next week. And the only way from here is going to be up. And keeping in mind that Liverpool also dropped points, I think... We could still, you know, go ahead and do something. Tenag is a smart manager. He can figure yeah. it out. So, Aranya, uh, when the first lineup came out for the season, you know, when our first lineup came out, what were your thoughts on it? And uh, how did you feel that the game would have panned out when the lineup was announced? Um, I feel because of Martial's 11th hour injury, our go-to lineup, which we've had practice across the preseason, went down the drain. We practiced a 4-2-3-1 with a striker at the helm of the attack, and because of Marshall not being fit, uh, being injured, and Ronaldo not being match fit, we had to 
improvise play false nine which we did not play as much as we would have liked in preseason so that was a disadvantage itself in front of a very well drilled and cohesive brighton team who actually know where i mean who know to make runs where uh, and when so apart from that i would have preferred elanga in the team over maybe a scott mctominay i do a small predictions thing on twitter and i predicted that as well because you would want to play natural players in their natural positions and for me erickson as a number falls nine is not his natural position he is very good in the midfield but playing a false yeah, nine is. is a totally different ball game so i he could have chosen elanga i know it's a huge drop off and that's what the state of our club is at the moment but he could have used elanga and then i mean if he would have been up by a goal or two he could have you know subbed him off to conserve the lead to protect the lead and then go ahead with it but then we just transformed the system we practiced for a month and a half just because of one injury is very worrying because injuries do happen in sport but uh, i was not totally unhappy because erickson is a very good player but then it did not have what happened with us because brighton really created an overload in our midfield and with scott mctominay in our midfield we just really cannot do much better than what we did yeah that sounds pretty apt and that's a pretty fair summation of everything uh so tanmay uh what were your thoughts on the game and what would, what did you feel that could have been done better in 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 terms of the game how we approached the game in the first half what could be a difference what did you think was the performance overall if you could just shed light on it yeah uh, thanks delvin um, actually you said you said the point only that you can't be bullied by tiny wellback finished tiny wellback in 2022 that just sums up our game um i think on the lineups uh, actually i was a bit late in watching watching the game i i started watching in the first uh, after the first 10 minutes i rewatched the game actually uh, but i saw i i saw i saw actually i saw no improvement the thing about um, and the thing is what we see in the real time it's it's so different when we watch it in the but uh, then when we watch it again we can see the actual mistakes that were done by some of the players i wasn't i when i was seeing it live uh, i i i wasn't like uh, why is deha not pushing up uh, when it when the bright when brighton are passing uh, when brighton are pressing pressing us like mad and maguar just has to switch it to martin straight away uh, instead of going back to deha or and maybe just create something from the back but they is just standing there on the goal line i mean there were many things bruno missed out on the uh, bruno lost ball lost the ball so many times uh, we gave away so many transitions because of that and it was it created a huge issue personally bruno has to play a bit forward uh, he can't play in the midfield as such uh, that means close to our goal because he will give away transitions transitions like hell and it's not going to help united in the forward run so if ronaldo is not starting i mean bruno has to play a, a 
he has to play a striker personally if because false nine it's not his thing that's 100% uh look i mean what can be what can be improved personally we just have to calm ourselves uh, not as not uh, we are i'm not saying about us fans <laughs> obviously uh, talking about the players so the players have to have to stay calm again because they were just they just rushed so so much and it was just horrific to watch at time yeah yeah it was it was not it was not a very pleasant pleasant evening that day and since then there's obviously been a lot of uproar regarding regarding the the running of the club all that coming back onto the limelight and now with the, they've obviously started panicking we've had so many new well not new names but new names within this summer being mentioned we had someone so random like arnautovic being super close to signing we've had solid links with rabio who's also progressing then again it wouldn't be a united summer without being linked to milinkovic savic and then there was the gakpo links also and another player called guido rodriguez who i'm not too familiar with with people like rabio i'm not too sure about how it would go i think he's a better mctominay so i'm not too bad at, i'm not too mad at that signing as long as someone like franky still does come and then arnautovic obviously the club have pulled out of it after how after after the uproar and all that and the other signings i'm again i'm not too sure about how that would go so delwin how do you think rabio would like fit into the team uh so ishan like you said the entire focus came upon the club and how the club is run and lest it should be forgotten uh the glazers were in attendance to the game uh i think they weren't they they could not ignore the fact that there were massive protests before the game and then the discontent among the fans were palpable after the game as well but they were boosted directly at them uh speaking of rabio yes this purely smells like it's a panic signing from us uh there was a time where rabio was good but unfortunately that was around 4 to 5 P- years PSG, ago when he was yeah, playing he was for paris that, yeah yes yes exactly yeah although the systemic change when he went into uva did not help considering the amount of pragmatic managers that uva had in the in the likes of allegri morizio sari and then now allegri again that certainly did not help rabio's style but then basically uh, rabio is not a problem himself but it's the baggage that he brings in the form of his agent slash who also happens to be his mother Veronica. Yeah. So she's always had a hands-on approach yeah. to his career right from the offset. You know, ever since he was a child, uh there's a very well-written article on the Athletic about Rabio and how much influence does his mother have on says regarding his career. Beat PSG, beat all the deals that they have negotiated for him so far. We don't have a problem with the player it's the baggage we just got rid of another similar frenchman a certain mm. paul pogba perhaps uh who bought equal baggage if not equal performances i certainly don't want another the only upside here is that rabio is perhaps 27 entering his prime and he's been relatively healthy so you know you can be he could be called upon healthy wise you know you could you 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 have a guarantee that he'll not miss a lot of game time because throughout the course of his 10 years that he's played he's missed only 30 games make that an average that would be 3 games a year 3 games a season that's 
a really good return. But then again, there are a lot of questions regarding his style of play. Will he fit Ten Hag's style? Will he be the focus or will his mom's histronics <laughs> be the focus? Because we all know that his mom has been in yeah, the news yeah. for all the wrong reasons. All right. So I would certainly want us to stay away from Rabio. But the other option that is there, Milenkovic-Savic, who we are always and forever linked, uh, I think that would be a good option. Arunya, what are your thoughts on Milenkovic-Savic? What exactly will he bring to the table? Uh, will his profile as a midfielder suit us? And will it suit Ten Hag's style of play and what he's trying to preach here at United? Yes. So, coming to Savic, there are two parts to this discussion what we need and what he is. The main need for the summer was a good striker, a central defensive midfielder and a centre-back. Savage is not a CDM. He is not a specialist CDM like Rodri, Fabinho, Casemiro, etc. Neither can he play like a starting CDM and do well for a long uh, series of matches. So, signing Milenko with Savage for, um, say, 50-55 million pounds is a good deal. But he, again, solves your number 8 or your box-to-box midfielder. Uh, I mean, he nails down that for about 8 years, 9 years. But he does not improve us where we actually need improvement. If we are playing Fred as our CDM and Savage and Bruno as our 8s, we are still not a cohesive midfield because even Fred is just a ball winner. He does not have the necessary defensive ad- attributes to put in what a uh, defensive work which a CDM does day in, day out. But now, analyzing that signing as a whole, it's a huge improvement in our midfield. Donny van der Beek, somehow, even the person, the manager who made him in Ajax, also does not believe in him. For some reason, even in Everton, he did not shine. He's not been, uh, even with, I mean, if he, uh, Eric did say that Donny's best position is the false nine position, second striker position. And when Marshall was injured, what did he do? He threw Ericsson, but he did not choose Donny, who he had, I mean, trained almost for a month and a half in preseason. So that's the amount of confidence he has in Donny. So if we have Bruno Savage, our midfield eight is almost sorted for like four, five, six years. So that's a good signing. He's a high ceiling, high potential player. His stats, if we are going to look at it, are not bad at all. He's always been one of Lazio's consistent and best players in Europe, in Syria. And to top it off, this is one of the few players we have actually scouted well and have and these are, and this has been suggested by our scouts and not by the manager or not by the Glazers because they are going to attract a lot of sponsorships. This player is actually good. And I'm all in for a Milenkovic-Savic signing, but not a Rabio signing. I can have, I can be totally behind the thought of just getting Savage and Gakpo and the summer's over. It's okay. But Rabio's Milenkovic-Savic and Gakpo is a negative summer for me because Rabio blocks the CDM signing for next summer. And we know how the Glazers operate. When they'll see there are almost eight, nine CDM midfielders for three possessions, they won't understand that there's no CDM amongst them. They will say there are more than ample midfielders in your first-team squad with Garner all, all around flirting with the first team. There is no need for an out-and-out CDM. And that, and if we do not get one, that is a huge failure because 
no team cannot go without a CDM. I mean, even Man City, who dominate the ball for almost 80% of the game, also need a CDM. Every team needs a CDM if it's a double pivot, single pivot, whatever. So, Rabia blocks our CDM signing. And that is why I do not like him. But Savage, I'm totally in for it. What do you think, Ishan? Tanmay, you can go ahead. Yeah, on Milinkovic, Savage, I mean, uh, actually, uh, when we were linked with Frankie de Jong, everyone had a question that is Ten Hag looking for a specialist DM uh, as such, like uh, Arunya said, uh, uh, that is Rodri or Fabinho. Uh, I mean, de Jong is not one of the specialist DMs, but he offers uh, a special quality, you know, a special quality. I, I don't think any player has that quality of taking the ball from the back line and spreading it forward or taking it on for himself. Even I think on Milinkovic Savage uh, is a is a bit of a different profile. He's a good uh, is a good uh, runner uh, of the ball. Should I say more on more of on the ball? And uh, I think. He, he might suit us in some aspects because like like as i said mcdomina is just a ter- is just terrible at uh, taking uh, taking the ball with him forward and it's it's and his passing is just uh, so bad he takes so many touches and he just rushes things he just doesn't think yeah. at that at some time and he'll be a huge i mean milinkovic savage will be a huge improvement on su- such things but I mean, again, on the Rabio thing. I mean, it's 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 just incompetency personally. It it should not happen. Even if it happens, I would think that uh, he's just another baggage player that we are just filling the squad with. Even we are we are blocking the chances for uh, Garner or Iqbal uh, if there are, if there are any chances for them. So I I personally don't want Rabio, but it's going it's going to happen. I feel. Uh, because we don't, we have just given up on Frankie De Jong, and I don't think uh, it's a good signing, personally. Yeah, Tanmay, that's fair enough. You know what he spoke about Rabio, but however, Rabio wasn't the one who got the headlines. It was one of the most bizarre links you'd see, arguably in the entire transfer window so far, that we decided to go for Marco Arnautovic. Out of all the strikers available, uh, West City have got Haaland, Liverpool have got Nunez. Both of them started their Premier Leagues by banging in goals and giving in the assists. What do United do? Go in the market and have Sums links for Marco Arnautovic. Sums us up, exactly. That's the absolute state of our club. Now, here's the profile of this player, you know. Started at 20 in the Eredivisie, goes to Werder Bremen, then comes to Stoke, goes to West Ham, then goes to China. And now, playing for Bologna. He's not had a bad season, don't get me wrong, but he's 33. He's he's that me kind of player who would always bring more toxicity into the dressing room. And the guy has proven racist allegations upon him and the allegation of being an anti-Semitic. Surely not the kind of player we want on our side. And it took fan outrage for United to pull the plug on that deal. Let me get this straight once again. It took fan outrage. People have emailed Richard Arnold. People have protested on social media about the signing. And that is where 
United decide to pull the plug. Yeah. My question to all of you guys is, is our scouting department this knee-jerk that it requires fan backlash to back out of a particular signing? Because, don't get me wrong here, if there was no fan outrage, this deal would probably have gone through. I'd put this to Tanmay. What do you think about this? Yeah, so actually this Arnato deal is just, I mean, he even, just to add to what you said, Delvin, uh, he had that, he had the allegations of harass, harassment on women when he was at West Ham, from, for the West Ham women's team. I just read it today. He did, yeah. Somewhere. Yes, yes, and, he did. Uh, it was, uh, it is just a disaster at times when I, when I see the club linked with such a player at this sort of time. And on the, actually, I'm, I just want to uh, say, say something here that uh, on the scouting thing, I personally don't think our scouting is bad I, I, because there's a, because we always target uh, good players, elite players and even good prospects. Our scouts recommended us Alvarez, our scouts recommended us Haaland when he was at Salzburg. Our scout recommended recommended us even Sesco yeah. now at the moment. But the recruitment, the recruitment is so bad at Manchester United. It is just very hopeless to think they they only they don't care about who we sign. They only care about for how much money do we sign those players. If those those players are like, I mean, look at Sesco thing at the moment, which is which, which was going on before he was before he joined Leipzig. We were uh, we were in talks for him for like fifty million or sixty million. I mean, again, that could be the just the United price. I mean, who knows? But again, that's fifty sixty million. It's just ridiculous when you think about it that. We have let go so many targets because of the uh, recruitment team. And we have not listened at times to the uh, scouting department. I mean, that's so clear of the last uh, five years, that uh, five or six years. Uh, it goes stretch, uh, it goes back to, I think, uh, before Sancho and before, uh, what's say, even before, uh, even before the Fabregas thing at times. It, it was it was just terrible. Hmm. Fair, fair. Ishan Aranya, after last or to, at the 2021 transfer window, basically, where we panic bought Kawani, Teles, and in the transfer window before, where we panic bought Igalo from China on the deadline day. Uh, can you all see a trend buckling here? You know that whenever there is outrage, whenever there is backlash, we always go into this mode where we buy players that are not hmm. really required or do not really suit the profile of the way we are trying to play. Now, for example, if we try to play attacking football, we go ahead and bring someone who isn't in that mold or we just go and panic by someone who's past his prime. Why do you think that happens? Or what exactly is the trend uh, pattern out here? I think it's it, there's, all, there's always a set template going into every window and going out of every window. To... Two months before the window, when you're going into it, the, the scout, as we talked about the scouting system, they have made good recommendations. They, they, they have their eyes on the right players. We, everyone, we get the reports from credible journalists. Okay, yeah, we have been linked with such, such and such. And then everyone gets optimistic. And then there'll be two months, two months of misery with oh, this deal is dragging on, this deal is dragging on. And then the last two weeks is when the panic starts. 
and we finish off with such mediocre players it it is infuriating to think about but th- th- that template it's it's definitely a thing our scouting ultimately gets if no one really thinks about it's like they blame the scouting for our transfer policies but again as we talk we talked about the recruitment being the main issue we have we have our initially we're on the correct players and then our recruitment just drags and drags and drags it down we went from having a according to gerard romero this was no one really had an iron like frankie de jong like that this summer when ten Hag came like oh maybe maybe and then gerard romero comes out oh the deal is 95 percent done and then he slowly starts backtracking saying him coming out with the news slowed the deal down and then there was a new news of the deferred uh, deferred payments so we, we there are always reasons for this but ultimately that it is all down to the recruitment team messing things up and then we end up settling for mediocrity and then the following season when we utterly collapse when the mood is completely off within the camp we are losing players left and right we think okay now now what let's bring another manager and things will get better what do you think arunya See, I completely agree with Ishan. The thing is, uh, I have there's a good Twitter account uh, who I really respect in this in this avenue of Man United. They say that our transfer policy is very reactive instead of proactive, and I completely agree. When you know Paul Pogba and Nemanja Matic are going to walk for free from your midfield, you should be replacing them in the uh, January window. Or in the summer window, previous summer, not now. Those two are gone. Our midfield was almost Bagel FC without Ericsson signing. We had only four to five first team midfielders. Uh, if you do not count Garner, and rightly so, you need not count a 21 year old uh, as a first team option without uh, Premier League minutes. So, having said that, what I feel is there are so many talented footballers across Europe. I'm not even counting South America, North America, Africa. There's so many talented midfielders or players for that matter across the globe. It's difficult not to get them right. And as Tanmay said, our scouting is not bad. Whenever we see a high profile signing go by, like Haaland to Dortmund, then to Man City, or maybe this Sesco. Our scouts have always recommended these players 99% of the times. I was I'm remembering when uh, Alfonso Davies won the Champions League with Bayern. There was a, this news coming out that we were recommended him too by our scouts. But there is a difference between getting recommendations and actually you know using them. So it, it feels like the scouting, just scout players, they just report players, but then that's their job. They just tell us the players, but then there's no action on them, which is completely wrong. Right now, Liverpool, apart from their high-profile Darwin Nunes signings, they bought only two players, one six million player called Fabio Cavallo from Fulham. They were not... They were still battling for promotion back in January when they wanted him. That's scouting and actually listening to your scouts and using their suggestions. Data or not, that's actually good. Then they bought a fullback called Ramsey from Rangers. 
Now, if Man United were buying a player from Rangers, I would personally be happy, but the owners wouldn't because that does not make headlines that this person is being bought by Man United from Rangers yeah. for like seven million. That does not make headlines. But for Liverpool, who actually go through the profile of the whole player and then take a decision on getting them in, that's what actual good scouting is. And the recruitment team backing the scouting department's suggestions. So I feel this trend which uh, Delvin and Ishan spoke about is worrying, but it is actually there. And the reason what Ishan earmarked is either we take, either we buy players who are not needed, who are or who are beyond their prime, because those are the only ones who are available for a cut price at such short, uh, no, I mean, points of time. I mean, if you are trying to buy a mainstay player who is about to enter his prime or in his prime from a decent club, say Real Betis, they will they will actually absolutely uh, block try to block the move because that's the eleventh hour and that's a player they cannot replace. On the other hand, Cavani, Ahmad, and Pelestri. South American clubs hardly have a problem in selling because they're always so short on cash because hardly do they get viewership. Cavani was a free agent. They could have signed him two months ago. They couldn't. They didn't because they yeah. then let out the card from the back that Sancho is never going to come. And Ahmad, I actually like Ahmad a lot. I mean, even when we were just planning and discussing how the pod is going to be, uh, Tanmay told us that Ahmad scored two goals in the 5-1 friendly win today. The man always scores goals, but then when you get a good player, they don't use him. Pelestri and Ahmad can actually help us from our attacking woes. If we just get one more attacker, we'll have six to seven decent first-team attacking options. But the managers and the recruitment staff and the... Uh, there's no style of play. So, there's a new manager. He wants to play something else. He was bought just because he was a high, highly rated talent for Ole Gunnar Sochar. So, there's no connect in the style of play. If you, uh, There's a very famous quote from Gary Neville, I think, back in 2019. That United have been... He said that you cannot be going and changing the style of play across managers, spending 250 million for each manager and then spending 250 for another manager and then hope for success because that's not building. That's building, breaking and building. So the net product is you build, but then you spend so much and because of the world-class recruitment and negotiations team we have, our resale values never met. Players don't move on. Similarly for Aaron Van Bissaka, we have offers. United have rejected it. Why? Because we do not have replacements. It's very, it's this, it's, I mean, it's sad state of affairs for our club, but these are realities which a tier two, tier three club should be struggling, not one of the biggest clubs in the world. So yeah, this I is couldn't where have I'm said it better myself, honestly. It's depressing, but now we look at this weekend where hopefully better things are to come, where you face Brighton on Saturday, not Brighton, sorry, Brentford on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We face Brentford on Saturday, and when when we ha- when we faced them last when we faced them last year, away we won. Th- do we want three one or do we, th- we want three three one? Yeah, that's three one. Three, and the, our last three game, one. our last three game one. against them, the last last game of the season was also against them, if I'm not mistaken. Last home game. Our last yeah, home yeah. game of the season. And, 
Over the summer, they have made they've of of notable additions as I guess Ben Mee from Burnley and Strakosha from Lazio, both on a free under Thomas Frank. They they are an exciting side to watch. They did draw with Leicester last last match day two two, with I think it was Ivan Tony. Ivan Tony scored and I forgot who else scored, but drawing a drawing. To... There was a there was a player called oh. Silva who scored. Who came out from the yeah. bench? Oh. Yeah, he came out from the bench. Yeah, so drawing with Leicester away is is still a bit. It's still a. It's still a pretty pretty big point. Considering if they do find themselves in a perilous position, which is often the case with promoted teams on the on their second season running, I I could honestly see them in the bottom. I I I I do think they would get relegated. I don't know why. It's just a feeling. But what do you guys think would be the changes to the lineups? Changes to how we play? With this weekend, with hopefully Martial coming back, would Ronaldo be there? I don't know. What do you think, Delwin? So first thing, I think there will have to be a change in the body language of the players. We need to we need to start with confidence and then continue with the same reign of intensity. I think what we did against Brighton is we started off well. Uh, Bruno scuffed his chance, not scuffed it. He basically skied it. And that's where I think we lost our intensity. Till then, I think we had some sort of measure of the game, uh, where we were able to, you know, make that chance, get the transition right. So all that went well. But then that missed chance had an impact on us, and then we started conceding the game to Brighton. And then they duly took advantage of the fact that we were not at the races at that particular time. So we cannot let intensity down because. Brentford are a very intense side, you know. The forward line of Ivan Tone and Brandon Boemo, they're two of the most tireless workers of the ball. They'll be a constant menace to us. Uh, they will not give you a second's width, a second's inch, or even a second's time. They will be of little mm. first line of defence. What we need to do is we need to have the ball, make intelligent use of the ball. Brentford are a very intricate side. Well drilled, well coached. Thomas Frank is one of the most exciting managers coming around in the, in the lower half of Premier League managers. I would rate him only after Brian uh, uh, Graham Porter of Brighton and Eddie Howe of Newcastle. He's one of those managers, you know, where you definitely need to keep an eye on. Uh, even against them when we hmm. played at home last season, they were all over us, and it only took a De Gea masterclass from the score being nil nil at half time. That's how good they are if given the opportunity to pounce on us. Coming to team changes, I think maybe it's time to give Heaton a chance. It's a very unpopular opinion for me, but you know, De Gea was very lax when it came to position. I'll back that. Yeah, when he possession with the ball, uh, very hesitant while being pressed. Uh, the his inability to come ahead and claim balls has always been an issue, but. I think Heaton should get a chance and I think he would persist with McFred for the second game. So I think even if we say that we want him to be out of the game, uh, McTominay still plays. And like you said, hopefully Martial comes back. So I think we would we should have a much better performance based on the team that we have on paper. I still think Ronaldo isn't ready to start and he shouldn't, provided Martial's fit. But if Martial isn't fit, God forbid, I think maybe give Rashford a chance up front and why not play Garnacho from the start? The boy is electric, great dribbling, great close control, always has that final ball. 
the game against Vallecano was enough indication of the fact that he can make things happen whenever he has the ball at his feet. So, yeah, that's what I feel about the game. And Aronio, what do you think? Do you second statements? Do you have different opinions? What do you think your team composition should be? What type of performance you expect against Brentford? Keep in mind that we are playing Brentford away. Yes, Brentford away was the 3-1 win, which we did take. It was very fortunate. The game should have been over in the first half itself, as you rightly pointed out, if not for the hair masterclass. And uh, apart from the two signings they made, they've uh, made a very, very good signing in, in Damsgaard, the hero of Denmark's yeah, yeah. Euro correct, 2021 correct, correct, correct. campaign. He is a very good player. And they wanted Ericsson, but then we just got him. So they have a good team. They have no players left. Oh, yes, they have one or two long-term injuries, but they have not sold anyone. So they've just improved in the grand scheme of things. And uh, what what now? The now what I feel that the problem with Man United is that teams which now think that they have an equal chance of beating us or at least taking a positive result away from us. First with Sir Alex and etc. Teams always fielded managers always fielded their teams in the thought of that we will be lucky to get something out but we need to dig deep and wear through this storm but now because of our poor play across the years and our decline teams think we are of the same caliber and they go for it and when they go for it the lesser players in these clubs give it more than our overprivileged players who do not put that much effort and hence we see that these the jogging stats the running stats across last season was nowhere comparable to what maybe a team like Brentford or Southampton do they are absolute workhorses in all positions because you need to work hard it's an outdoor sport so I don't think it is going to be an easy game by any uh, chance Furthermore, because of Ericton Hack, we are no more pragmatic. We cannot, you know, score a goal and then sit back. We wish to take the initiative in games. That means a high line. That means we are still susceptible to counterattacks like we were with Brighton because we were outnumbered. Our fullbacks go high up the pitch. We are only left with two centre backs and Fred. Fred, too, as I said, he is a ball winner, but he cannot do uh, CDM things. And apart from that, our two centre-backs, Maguire and Martinez, which I think will start and ideally should because they were not bad in the Brighton game. Yes, we conceded two goals, but none of them were because of them. So, they start, Maguire lacks space. That's that's okay. He, I mean, not everyone can have everything. He lacks space, but in such games where we cannot dominate midfield, control the game, and there's an easy ball over the top above Maguire on his uh, right flank between Dalot and Maguire. There's a huge gap which even uh, Welbeck and Trossard were exploiting. And the cross for both goals were the first goal was a ricochet. The second goal was a ricochet and first goal was a cross to uh, Gross from Trossard, I think. So that space, that half space behind Dalot and next to Maguire is something which really is problematic, which obviously a Thomas Frank, a good tactical coach, knows how to exploit. And again, similarity between Brighton and Brentford is both of them play three at the back. 
and we've struggled against low blocks, especially if we concede. Brighton parked a double-decker bus in front of goal across the second half when we were trying to take initiative and we were actually playing there because it's difficult for us either way. And of course, for a lesser team, taking away something against Man United is a big achievement. So I feel coming to the team, um, I really want a better... There is something of footballing IQ and it's abundant in a few players and it's just missing in some. I really want Donny Van de Beek to be given a chance. I don't know why he does not. I myself could be wrong, but at least he helps us in retaining the ball. You, He does not lose it or he can easily manipulate the ball and at least keep possession. Some players in our midfield are unable to do so and that is what Eric Tenag is all about. I really hope we get either one of our two strikers fit because the 4-2-3-1 with a striker and the 4-3-3 without a striker as a false nine, there's a huge difference. And clearly, we do not know how to play a false nine lest against a uh, back three. Because three defenders against no striker, there is no way we are going to reach the goal if we, there is no striker pulling at least one or two defenders. Because the because our midfield control is so bad, the false nine drops into the midfield and there is no threat. There's no one in the box. So when Ronaldo came, we did have ball. They did. They were uh, pinned down in their own box, and things were happening. Yes, we were two down, but there was hope. We got one goal. We could have got another goal if Rashford was wearing his shooting boots. So I feel. Sticking to what we did in our pre-season, 4-2-3-1, please, Marshall, be fit. If he is fit, Sancho Rashford left and right, Bruno behind Ericsson with Fred. If he is fit, if Marshall is fit, if not, just put Donny in, please try him. And I think the defence picks its own, it picks themselves. There is an argument there to be made if Malaysia is played over Shaw. Ideally, I don't think so. He should be, I mean, eased in through Europa and Cup game. But if he does take that ball call, fair enough. But there is not much wriggle room because we no longer have that much quality in our squad that we can rotate and the quality of our squad does not decline. So this is the core 15 players which we have and which we need to use for 50-60 games in this season. So I don't expect many changes, but at least... Marshall being fit and uh, Malasha being introduced as a left back could be a good start. And then there is scope of you know taking this game by the scruff of its neck and actually taking initiative. Cool, Tanma, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, Brentford away is a tough one though. Uh, we have we have we got outclassed in the first half in the last season. Uh, I mean, many things were wrong last season. Let's say just that. Uh, we won the game three even eventually by uh, the goal scored by you know number eleven. Uh, so on Brentford, I think they are a they are a pretty good team. Um, they are they have signed uh, three good players as mentioned by the others, Trakosha, me, and uh, uh, Damsgaard. I mean three both all of them. Uh, uh, ben Mee is, is a Premier League pro, uh, proven. He knows how to uh, how to defend uh, in that very 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 uh, defensive Burnley team. And Strakosha is a good keeper. Damsgaard was a was a was a hero at uh, Euros and Denmark. Just 
went uh, went crazy in that competition. Uh, so Brantford is going to be a tough game. Ivan Tony is going to be ruthless. I mean, imagine Danny Welbeck uh, doing us that and put Ivan Tony there. I mean, I just can't. Im- I just. I hope we improve because that's this is not going to work if Ivan Tony is there instead of Danny Welbeck. Um, I mean, as I said in the uh, uh, review of the Brighton game, that. Uh, we just have to remain uh, our players have to remain calm at times we we were just uh, our players were scared i felt uh, on the ball everyone rushed things had i felt only there was one game plan as such that we just have to put the ball in mctominay just has to run forward get in behind runs uh, bruno just have to run behind in behind get in runs I mean, every player was like that. I mean, Fred and Fred was just left alone in the midfield. And he obviously, he's going to get bullied. He's going to get targeted. Uh, so, I just hope they calm themselves down. Tenag, uh, obviously, Tenag is going to uh, figure that out and probably he'll make changes. Uh, I mean, I personally don't want to start De Gea, but... I'm not sure if Heaton is the is an actual actual quality keeper. I mean, I would have I, I would love it if I would I, it would be very interesting if Ten Hag uh, actually starts Heaton instead of De Gea. But I think De Gea is going to start again. Um, I think the back four personally I don't want to change much because I I don't think back four was a was a much of an issue in terms of like I know Maguire did a bit. Uh, it is usual bad at times, but I think at he was at times faultless because there was a there was an issue with De Gea, no midfielders ahead. I mean there were many issues actually around him. Martinez is a very good player in my opinion, and he's 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 someone who I would be looking forward to in this game because he is a he's a warrior obviously, uh, and then in midfield probably now. I personally, I, I would uh, drop McTominay also, but uh, maybe McFred is the way to go again because we don't have players in the midfield at all to play in that position. I mean, Van Der Beek is an option, but I don't know if he's the guy. Maybe we can do we can do a thing like Fred and Ericsson, uh, with Ericsson as a as a number eight and Fred as a eight, Fred as a six or something like that uh, with. Uh, Donny van de Beek or Bruno in the camp position. Um, I hope we sign, we start a striker because uh, that game it it felt just one way traffic that we are just going to pick up in behind balls to Rashford and everyone uh, who are running running uh, for the crosses. So I just hope we sign we start a striker either Ronaldo, Martial, whoever is fit. Uh, or whoever whoever is going to uh, be the, uh, chosen by Ten Hag, um, and on the wide areas, I, I would love Garnacho actually. In that, I, I just can't see Rashford personally. Rashford has has been just so bad in recent months, especially it's just terrible. I, so I just hope that we uh, we move on from this Brighton game and. 
this game this game will will be very important in terms of what happened if the, if we lose this game it will it will just mount pressure on ten hag it will mount pressure on the board even more that if we, imagine if we don't sign anyone till sunday and saturday and we uh, go into the game and we lose the game imagine the outrage that's going to cause so i hope we win it because we need we need to start well again i mean the, the first game was first game is gone we lost it um, just have to get back back up and just start winning again so that was that was a lot of great points there a lot of lot, lot of good statements lot of good facts and yeah it was a disappointing weekend but again this disappointing weekend means more content for us and so so it's a win win for us so that's, that's probably the only positive i can take out of this weekend but yeah the only way from here is up and of course unless we lose but i don't think we will we talked about the the lineup changes or how how ten hag could mix it up things like that but yeah the best thing to do is be positive right now and yeah this ultimately the only way is up that's all i can say next saturday's game we all we see what happens generally the tone here was it uh, a more uh, everyone was a bit more uh, everyone was a bit more optimistic regarding the result and yeah i'd i'd like to think i am also a bit optimistic but you never know with united they're always out to get you they're always out there to ruin your weekend but yeah that's all i can really say so yeah thank you all for listening to the depressed reds podcast Uh, I'd uh, I'd like to thank uh, Tanmay, Delwin, and Arunya for joining. It was it was it took a lot of time, but I think it was very well worth it. The pleasure was all ours, Ishad. Thank you for having yeah. us here, and yeah, no problem. Yeah. Glad to be here again. Thanks, Ishad. Thanks, Delwin and Tanmay. Yeah, yeah, sure. We just love United. That's all. We can discuss it for hours, but it's a podcast, so we have to end it. Hmm. Yeah, so we we all we made the poor choice of supporting the wrong team and here we are. But yeah, so thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. Have a good one.